yo, we are week four into this uh, Spirit Realm sermon series, which has been this beautiful mix of encouraging and stimulating in terms of thought in our souls and stretching. <laughs> How many of you like feeling like, oh, this is like uncomfortable and stretching me? <laughs> good. Like, it's good. Like, uh, I've already uh, gotten a chance to have a couple of conversations with folks for whom this is a, it's a real stretch. It's a challenge. Um, and that's okay. All right. Like from the beginning, we've talked about the fact that as a family, we come to this from so many different spaces. And I think one of the things um, I got to share with someone last week, I mean, most of you already know this, and if you haven't, you're going to find out, you're going to find out one day I come from a Pentecostal background. <laughs> okay. Hey, all right. Like, and I will do a quick lap real quick. Okay. <laughs> and then come back. But that Pentecostal background, it, at the very least, makes the conversation of what's happening in the spirit realm pretty normal. Right? Let's, it's, now, one of the things that I will be honest about is even though coming from that Pentecostal background, it was normalized, there wasn't a whole lot of education. Right? It was normal to feel and perceive and hear from the Holy Spirit and all of that. And that's great. It was normal for us to experience healings and miracles. It was normal for that to happen. But what was happening in the spirit realm, none of us were actually really talking about. We were just living in it. <laughs> right? So there's this normal side to that. But we still also need some education to know how do we do that together. Right? And then there are some who, like we've said from the beginning of this sermon series, the idea of, of hearing about the Holy Spirit every week in a service or even once a month is brand spanking new. Uh, and so um, let's actually jump in. I actually want to, uh, the title of the sermon is Stay in Our Lane. <laughs> um, well, uh, and the subtitle is Reframing Our View of Spiritual Warfare. We'll be in Galatians. I want to pray before we get into that, um, just that we're together. Father, thank you for what you have already done and what you are doing. You have done so much already to bring us to a place of fellowship and unity and we are grateful, God. We are grateful, God. We breathe in your grace for this day, your mercy, which is brand new for this morning, God. And embrace what it is that you have for us, Holy Spirit. May my words be yours, not something that we're just coming up with. That sounds good. But truly what this body of believers needs to be built up to do your work in the earth. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, 
that idea of spiritual warfare is what we're talking about today, but we always need to kind of go back. So um, that why are we doing this? <laughs> so that we can go to the next slide for me. Um, because I've got this mic, I'm actually just going to have you lead me with the slides. Um, shared understanding, shared language, shared experience. That's what this is about. I think if we don't, if we're, if we're not careful, we could take this sermon series and turn this into a formula for how we do the spirit realm, and we would be sinning in doing so. <laughs> That's not what this is about. It's so that we have shared understanding, shared language, and shared experience. That's it, right? There's a piece of this puzzle that for all, not just for those whom the idea of a spirit realm sermon series is a new concept, for all of us, we don't have complete language and understanding of what's happening. And that's okay. That's not something that's required for us to talk about it. We talk about a lot of things that we don't have a full understanding of, but we do need to have the same understanding so we can move forward. And that's okay. We trust that the Spirit is with us as we're navigating this. So at the end of the, this sermon series, this is what we come out with. And I love just pointing out, because my mama keep, kept saying it, one accord. <laughs> Being on one accord. <laughs> yep. All right, next slide for me reminding each other that scripture has this view of the spirit realm. That is, and I want to make sure I say this out loud because I don't know that it's been said at all. Like, we have spirits too, right? <laughs> like that all of a sudden I just felt like a cheer. We have spirit. Yes, we do. We have spirit. <laughs> uh, we have spirits too, right? It's not just that God's angels, demons, and Yahweh, God most high, has our, our spirits. Like, no, we have spirits too. Very, we're, we are a part of the spirit realm, right? This is just the separations that we would see in Scripture as it relates to the spirit realm. Um, I want us to um, see this picture because I've shown this picture before. Most of the time when we think of spiritual warfare, this is what we've got in our mind. We've got good versus evil. We've got white Jesus arm wrestling a red devil. <laughs> like, like that's just kind of what we end up having in our heads. Like we have this picture of this duality of bad and good going up against each other. And for some reason, we feel like Satan is bad enough to be able to go up against God. And I don't know why we feel that way, but it's not a thing. That's not what spiritual warfare really looks like. That's not it. This is a picture. And, like, if you Google spiritual warfare, this is the, one of the pictures that show up. I literally just typed in spiritual warfare, pressed images, and this is one of the pictures that showed up. It doesn't take long for us to, un to, to get a view that humanity has very little understanding I won't say understanding, very few words that we share about spiritual warfare. And that's the point of today's sermon. I said a few weeks ago that scripture encapsulates our role in the spirit realm well. 
even though scripture doesn't encapsulate everything that there is to know about the spirit realm, similar to nature, doesn't encapsulate all that there is to understand about nature, it does encapsulate our role in the in spiritual warfare. That is one of the most important things for us to keep in mind. Our role in spiritual warfare is not concerned with winning or losing. That's not our role. One thing I want to say about that in terms of encapsulating our role is the Bible was written to humans so humans could understand what we're supposed to do. It's not, an, it's not like this manual for all things that Creator made. It really isn't about, it doesn't show us all things. It shows us, however, what is our role. So one of the things that we need to make sure that we get rid of in our mind is our role is in spiritual warfare is not concerned with winning and losing. I know that's how we feel sometimes. If we get rid of that, it's going to help us when we move forward in this sermon. Put that over to the side. Why is it not concerned with winning and losing? Because it's already won. So there isn't, like, the best way I think about that, like, honestly, you know, especially those, you know, we're in this election season thing, the best way I think about it's already won is at some point on the news when you're watching the election results, it gets to the point where it's like, listen, the other person is just not going to win. So <laughs> I know it's not fully done yet, but we can call it. <laughs> That's kind of where we are right now, right? I know it's not fully done yet, but there's absolutely no way in the world that evil is going to prevail over over the kingdom of God. So there isn't a concern that we have to have about that. So we get to lower our anxiety about whether we're going to win or lose, especially as American Christians who like competition. We like the idea of winning and losing. We like the idea of rubbing it in Satan's face. You're going to get cast into the lake of fire. <laughs> And really, that's just not our concern. Not only is it not our concern because it's already won, that's not our job. We don't have a lake to cast anybody into. <laughs> it's above our pay grade, Mark said. <laughs> like, that's beyond our scope. <laughs> it's not our job. As a matter of fact, Jesus does all, he's already began all of that work and completes that work just by talking. <laughs> Right? If you read in Revelation, at the end, Jesus comes out of the sky. He's riding on a white horse, and he starts talking, and his tongue is like a double-edged sword, and then just evil starts dying. That's not our job. That's not our role. title of the sermon is Stay in Our Lane. So for us to understand what our role is, let's first affirm our purpose as humans. Humanity's purpose is to reign as God's representatives in also to nature. We see that in the beginning when God made Adam humanity, right? We talked about that day one. Adam simply means humanity. I know sometimes when we ask, like, what's humanity's purpose? What's to worship God? Like, that's that's way too Christianese. <laughs> it's way too religious for us to honestly get something out of that. So let's be real about what do we see as a consistent pattern of humanity's purpose to reign as God's representatives in 
and to nature. That's what we see in Genesis 1, but it's also what we see in Revelation 20, right? Revelation is a mirror of what's going on in Genesis. It's Genesis. It's the, it is the, the back to the beginning post a time where sin was a part of nature, where we see people reigning with Jesus, humans reigning with them. That's what our role is. That's our purpose. So if that's our purpose in nature, that's our purpose in creation, then our role in spiritual warfare isn't going to be far from that. It's not going to be far from what our purpose is. Our role in spiritual warfare is reigning with Christ in nature. <laughs> that's like, wait a minute, that doesn't feel very like, that doesn't feel like spiritual warfare. What does it mean to reign from a biblical standpoint? God gave humanity dominion to, to govern the earth. That's what our role is, govern the earth. We don't create stuff, we govern stuff. So when we start talking about our role, the easiest way to talk about our role in spiritual warfare is, hmm, that's not where it's supposed to be based upon what creator, desi creator design. We need to have that move out of the way. That literally is the best way for us to look at our role. That spirit isn't where it's supposed to be. <laughs> that demon ain't supposed to be there. That principality isn't supposed to be having any authority in that space. That's literally our role is to govern, to steward that which creator God has made. It's not to like put on our, like to, to put on a Vaseline on our face, take our earrings off and go to battle. Like that's not our role. I know some of y'all like, so, okay, wait, hold on. That was, that was. If you see your first time here, we're super candid about our multi-ethnic. That was super black. Okay. Okay. When black folks start fighting, we put Vaseline on our face. Ladies take their earrings off. You know, <laughs> we square up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We ain't, we ain't trying to get scratched. So <laughs> that's not what we do. That's not who we are. And it's imperative that we keep in mind who we are and what we do, what our purpose is, because then that allows us to live in this space of spiritual warfare in a way that actually brings honor to God and brings success to that which we're supposed to do. Not winning, not losing, but success is something that we actually should be looking for, right? And that's okay. I want us to see the first example of spiritual warfare. It's in Genesis chapter 3. This is not unfamiliar to many of us. The serpent was the shrewdest of all animals uh, the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the, in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So many times we've heard this portion of Scripture. And the wonderful thing about the Bible is you can look at different things to help unpack that which the Lord is revealing. That's okay. So, right? So, I'm not preaching something different, but we are going to look at something different right now. I'm not going to look at what the woman did. That's not our primary reason for looking at this portion of Scripture. We want to look at what the serpent was doing. 
You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame for their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So often, like I said, we look at what was happening with the humans, but this is the first spiritual attack. Why would I say this is the first spiritual attack? Because it's getting at our purpose. And what is the, what's the way? It's so deceptive. It's nasty. It's like this half-truth. You won't die. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I mean, did he really say you can't eat? I mean, like, just replay it in your mind real quick. Did he really say that? <laughs> I want us to see real quick the tactics of our enemy, deception, fear, and power. It's important for us to know that. But that deception, fear, and power isn't just, it's not to kill you. I know that sometimes that's how we feel. We immediately go into fight or flight when we start thinking about spiritual warfare, and that's not even a thing. It's not to kill you. It's to get at your purpose. Did you, did you notice that that deceptive kind of half-truth that ultimately revo- that resulted in generationally whole lies, right? It's like a half-truth that over time turned into a whole lie. But that deception caused them to not immediately die, but absolutely to immediately experience some shame about who they were. At the end of the day, most of us feel like even though we may not have ever been explicitly taught this, most of us feel like spiritual warfare is out to kill us spiritually, and it's not. It's to trick us into not doing what we're, what we're designed to do. It's to deceive us. What is that deception for? It's because somebody wants your job. <laughs> I'm like, let's just be real. Like, somebody wants your job. <laughs> They're tricking you into not doing your job. You're so worried about being naked, which was the only thing she, they ever knew. They're so worried about being naked that they're hiding behind trees, no longer governing the garden. We've seen that in our life. So worried about what other people are thinking about me that I'm not stewarding, governing, living, not reigning with Christ, even post. Like some of us like, oh, yeah, that was what my life was before I met Jesus. For some of us, that's been our life after Jesus too. We're still worried, concerned, debilitated with fear because of what might be. This is the first spiritual attack that humanity has ever experienced, and it's one that keeps happening in us. 
it doesn't look like what we see in movies. It doesn't. I know we want it to. I know that's what we want because that feels dramatic and it feels big and it feels worthy of me by fully having put on the armor of God, which we'll talk about in a moment. But that's not what it is. That's really not what it is. The tactics of our enemy are deception, fear. And what I mean by power, oh, shame as well. But what I mean by power is the desire to take power and to misuse power, right? There's a diff, and we're, the, the other word is authority, which we'll get to in a moment. But sometimes when we think, I want us to think power, I want us to think the ability to stand over and manipulate with fear and shame and despair to bully most of us have seen movies or we were even watching a sitcom at uh, at home and especially around this time of year they like to put demons on TV which <laughs> is do because it it's scary and I'm actually at the point now where I honestly believe that, yeah, there's some entertainment value in that caricature of demons. But the truth is, I think that there's some spiritual warfare there, too. Some of us are so afraid of what happens spiritually because of all of the images that we've seen. We're so afraid that we won't even look there. We won't even ask God about it. We won't, we won't even step our toe into processing what's happening in the spirit because for all of our life and around October, we've been shown videos and pictures and images and on movies and we have this caricature of what it looks like spiritually and I honestly believe that that's spiritual warfare. It's deception. If I can get them so afraid of this that they won't even pray about it, <laughs> they're not living in their purpose because our purpose is to reign which means that's not supposed to be there. Go where you're supposed to be. <laughs> but if I'm so afraid to even look, I can't reign. Spiritual warfare doesn't look like a spirit jumping through your TV to try to take you out. I know that's what some of us think. I'm like, well, then what about possession, Chase? Ah, that's not spiritual warfare. That we, that's what, what ends up, that's like a thing in spiritual warfare, not spiritual warfare as a whole. And really, what's our role? To seek their freedom by saying, hey, you're not supposed to be there. <laughs> get out. You're not supposed to be there. In Jesus' name, get out. It's not more dramatic than that. I know we want it to be because Marvel made it more dramatic than that. Disney made it more dramatic than that. 
and all of the other things that want to entertain and tickle our fancy by also being deceived by a spirit to get me to stop actually looking in that direction. Some of us don't even, like, we, we put this and the tooth fairy together. Sorry. Oops. Those of you, like, that's, if, you, if some of you, your kids, you're still worried about that. Anyway. <laughs> some of us put the spirit realm and fantasy in the same book. And that's deception. Spiritual warfare doesn't look like a one-on-one, hand-to-hand battle for us. That's not our role. That's not our lane. Our role is to look and be able, and to be able to look at it and say, that's not supposed to be there in Jesus' name. Get out. So as we talk about how to live in our role, I actually want to go to Galatian. This is not something that most of us think about when we think about um, spiritual warfare, but I want us to look at it in this lens because um, it's it's the fruit of the Spirit is where we're going to end up. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but I want to draw our attention to it again. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. God has kept them Oh, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division. Pause. Most of us actually do spiritual warfare like this. That's the parts I got underlined. Do you think about it? Sorcery? What? So, okay, let's talk about sorcery real quick. Sorcery is just using supernatural means to get what I want. <laughs> That's literally what sorcery is. It's not, it's, not, it's not people standing over a cauldron waiting for stuff to pop out of it. I know that's what we want to believe. That's a way of sorcery. That's a way of sorcery. But at its foundation, sorcery is using supernatural means to get what I want in contrast to using supernatural means to get the will of the Father. That's the difference. The energy is the same, supernatural means, to see an outcome in nature. But the difference is that when it is based upon what I want, it's witchcraft. (laughs) It's sorcery. When it's what the Father wants, it's the Father's will, and we're doing our job. And so some of us, are casting out things in that legitimately don't need to be cast out just because it's making us uncomfortable. We're casting out our education thinking it's spiritual warfare. We're casting out our development, our growth, because it made me uncomfortable. But if we actually would seek the will of the Father, and before we start speaking in tongues and casting stuff out, we would actually recognize that what's happening in me isn't actual. that's not me living in my role. That's me practicing sorcery and blaming and using Jesus as my means. <laughs> Hostility, quarreling. Even for those of us who have been raised in Pentecostal backgrounds, whenever we've seen deliverance ministry, it's hostile. <laughs> like we about two seconds from cussing demons out. <laughs> like... I was actually with a person who actually literally did cuss while they was praying at a demon. Like, <laughs> like, it was like, whoa, whoa, wait, that doesn't feel like God. Because we feel like 
we're supposed to be hostile with spirits that are not godly. But this hostility and quarreling, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, and division are not fruit of the Spirit. Go ahead to the next verse for me. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The tactics of God's human family is truth, love, and authority. I know this feels awkward and it feels weird for many of us. But I said this a couple of weeks ago. There's no point in which spirit realm, natural realm, whether I'm talking to angels, demons, whether I'm praying, whether I'm talking to my cousin or my children or my spouse or my neighbor, at no point should the fruit of the spirit not be a part of the culture of God's family, human family, at no point. So why do we feel like in spiritual warfare, all bets are off and I get to just act like humans here that have not accepted salvation? Why do we get to act hostile in the spirit realm if the fruit of the spirit is not hostility? <laughs> Why do I feel like I have to like be angry and grasp at power in the spirit realm when that's not a part of the fruit of the spirit? At what point do we feel like God would want something different from us just because we're dealing with something that's invisible? <laughs> it's not a thing. It's not. It will always be truth, love, and authority is given. It is not taken. You can't take authority. <laughs> Someone has it and they give it to you. <laughs> God has authority in both the spirit and the natural and has given us authority. And that's how we say, hey, that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> Go ahead to that next verse for me. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. I know this portion of Scripture isn't talking about spiritual warfare. I'm not. That's, I know that. So please, like, we, I know the context of this portion of Scripture isn't it. The context, why I'm bringing this up is because we need to know how we're supposed to be in it. We know that spiritual warfare exists. We feel it. We've talked about it. It's all through Scripture. But how are we supposed to be? How do we see Jesus in spiritual warfare? That's how we're supposed to be. Every single time you see Jesus interacting in spiritual, quote, unquote, warfare, he's just talking to spirits like, yeah, that's not where you're supposed to be. <laughs> Please don't send me away. Okay, well, can I go on some pigs? Sure. <laughs> it's not hostile. It's not big. It's not macho. It's not intimidating the way in which we feel like it's supposed to be. Every single exorcism movie we've ever watched has this priest coming in full collar on, a whole gallon of holy water, basically trying to fight the demon on the demon's terms. 
You are going to be angry. I'm going to be angry. You're going to show power. Power is going to rain down from heaven because I said so. You're going to be make their body twist. Well, I'm going to twist my body too. All we're doing is making it a traumatic experience for the person who is currently possessed. As opposed to what we're supposed to do. Hey, you ain't supposed to be there. I don't know where you're supposed to be. Go talk to God about that, but you got to get out of her. <laughs> Authority doesn't look like grasping for power and figuring out which one is the biggest and the baddest. Authority looks like God said, I can say you can't be here, so leave. Period. My confidence is there. You don't want to leave? Okay, God, you don't want to leave. Handle that. <laughs> like, some of us feel like we grew up out of telling, telling our people, right? Like, at some point, we grew up so we don't have to tell anybody anymore. Like, no, please, tell the father on spirits. <laughs> Go tell your daddy. They're not doing what ultimately they're supposed to do because this is the realm that we have authority. We've been given authority here. It's not as dramatic as we want it to be because that feels good to our sin. It feels good to our flesh to be able to tell spirits what to do and they obey my word. That feels good to my flesh. So however hostile I have to be to make that happen, that's what I'm going to do. That's why Jesus says, don't revel in the fact that you can cast spirits out. That's not even the thing to be happy about. I know this feels weird. It feels different. Chase, what are you saying I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to throw them a birthday party to get them to come out of people? No, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm, I, listen, I'm just saying if it don't look like the fruit of the spirit, that ain't our, that's not what, that's not who we are. That's all I'm saying. If it doesn't look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if it doesn't look like that, that's not us. And that means it's also somebody else's role. The Bible already talks about archangels. They got a job. Let them do their job. <laughs> like one of my favorite weirdest parts of Scripture is in Daniel. Daniel is praying. He's seeking the Lord. And the angel Michael comes to him and was like, listen, I was held up. I was fighting the devil over Moses' body. Like, what? <laughs> That's real weird for a number of different reasons. First of all, Moses has been gone for a long time. <laughs> and why does that even matter that you're fighting over Moses? <laughs> I don't even get it. Whatever, that's your job. I'm not going to ask you about your job. I'm going to do my job. You do yours. You're fighting over Moses' body. Great. We see in Scripture that there is a role in which fighting does happen, and it's not ours. Jesus was living our role in spiritual, in the spirit realm. When you see the fruit of the spirit, it's the character of Christ on display. Even when you see the gifts of the spirit, you see Jesus did literally all of those things. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We do what Jesus did. We don't take on somebody else's responsibilities. At any moment, Jesus could have called down a bunch of angels and said, let's make it happen. <laughs> but he didn't. Not be because of that self-control part. I have a role. My role is to govern and to reign here. 
for some of us, like, we, uh, we have read about this idea of Jesus being the second Adam. That doesn't mean that Jesus' his name is Adam, the second humanity. He is, the, he is the epitome, the picture of what humanity looks like with the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't look like Jesus, it's not him. I'm not saying it's another evil spirit, but you got some will of your own too. And all it does is exhaust us and exhaust the people who are being oppressed for us to feel like we got to be big. So, strategy of our enemy is doubt, discouragement, diversion, and delay. That's not something I came up with. That was just in my Bible. Um, a little commentary in my Bible. I was like, ooh, that's good. <laughs> I want us to not come to the conversation of spiritual warfare with so much fear that we won't actually look at it. So much fear that some of us run, and I mean, some of us, we roll our sleeves up, and we're like, yes, we finna go after this because Jesus gave me all authority, and I'm about to do this. Hmm. They're not even trying to kill you. They're just trying to delay you. And guess what? They are. <laughs> oh, you think that maybe the deception is that they're trying to kill you, but no, they're just trying to distract you. And it's winning. They're winning, right? <laughs> They're winning. They're doing their job to distract you from doing what you're supposed to do, which is to govern. Or some of us, the idea of being able to take, take on something new. We're so discouraged, so defeated in ourselves, have such low self-esteem. That's that's a form of spiritual warfare. Not all the time, but sometimes it is. And we doubt God. So then, what are some tools for us? In Ephesians, it talks about being suited up with the full armor of God. But I actually want to pause and not use the battle language of Ephesians. Not because it's not, it doesn't have merit. It has merit. But we need to make sure that we understand Paul was just using that as a picture. He was just using that as a word picture. It's not like he's not describing all of what's happening in the spirit realm. He's just taking something that they would understand, armor, and applying some of the tools of the kingdom of God to that. That's what he's doing. So we're going to, just for a moment, I'm not trying to change your Bible, but I just want you to see what the actual tools are without the analogy, <laughs> right? Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. That's it. That's it. I know that we like the idea of the full armor and it's clanking around while we going into battle, that's not actually what's happening. Here's an interesting thing. Ephesians, Paul doesn't say put on the full armor of God so that you can go and start fights with spirits. 
so that you can withstand. Most of these tools are actually not for us to go pick fights. The only one that is potentially for us to fight with, if anything, is the word of God. It's a sword. But I also want to point out that the truth and the word of God are listed separately here. Why is that? The word of God in in Scripture is Jesus. (laughs) That's why in Revelation, there's a sword coming out of his mouth. That's the thing, right? Like, it's not us. It's not us. Truth is a belt (laughs) in, in the armor. It's not a sword. The word of God, Jesus. That's why that authority is in Jesus. I can say Jesus. Listen, if I ain't got nothing else but Jesus, if I feel that, like, some of us have been in that spot. We've been in a place where we feel principalities moving around. We feel spirits coming around in our house, and all we got is Jesus, because I don't even know what I'm talking to right now. So it's just Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. Some of us have woken up from nightmares. Jesus. Some of us, you walk into a room and you feel something, and you don't know what it is, just say Jesus. That's the word of God part. You don't need to flip through your scripture to get on no topical Bible and figure out something that applies to today. Jesus. That's the word of God part. There is truth that we need to speak sometimes that we'll find in scripture. But when it it comes down to being able to be offensive in the spirit realm, it's not me figuring out the best word to say. It's Jesus. That's the word of God part. And I know we want it to be more dramatic, family. I know we want it to be big, but I want us to be convicted by the fact that that's just our flesh. That's not the spirit of God that wants it to be big. That's me. I want to feel more important than I am. I want to feel more important than I am. And that, oh, that's, that offends us. But when I'm screaming scripture at the top of my lungs so my child won't disobey their curfew because they are possessed by a spirit, it's literally just me trying to feel bigger than I am. It really is. I know I, know I want that to be dramatic. I know I want them to be slain in the spirit. Those of us who come from Pentecostal backgrounds, we want to put our hand on somebody and they lay out. But that's bigger than we are, fam. It's not to say that the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way, but that's not my job. It's not my job to command in the way that it is Jesus's job to command. It's not my job to Jump in the spirit, jump in and out of the spirit realm, picking fights because I'm uncomfortable today. I have one role in this in spiritual warfare, and it has nothing to do with winning and losing. In fact, it makes me do my role more confidently when I don't think that losing is an option. It's already won. I can stay calm, collected, 
confident and have self-control in spiritual warfare. It doesn't mean I don't get emotional because if you're like me, you get emotional in general. Like, I'm an emotional person. But that doesn't mean that that is a rule. Emotions aren't a rule for spiritual warfare. They're just a personality type. <laughs> There's some of us who were less emotional and still have all the exact same amount of authority to walk into the room that feels like, wait a minute, let me step back outside real quick. Mm, that don't sit right with my soul, Jesus. <laughs> Whatever is in here that's not supposed to be, get out in Jesus' name. That's our role in spiritual warfare. It doesn't look any more complex or dramatic than that. And if we make it more complex and dramatic than that, then here's what happens. We, so here's it. Ooh. The king has given us a way to do this based upon the character and the, and the actions of Jesus. Anytime that we act outside of the character or the actions of Jesus, then we give the kings of this world fuel for distorting and staining that which we're trying to do. That's why, that's why we get, that's why we can have exorcism movies that actually are shown on Halloween. <laughs> why would you, what in the world would you, why would we consider something that is a work of God scary? Because the kings of this world have deceived, have used, have used our immaturity to twist what God, what God is doing. And that's on us because we were not in our lane. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, the best thing we can do is stay in our lane. What's my lane? To reign with Jesus. That was what it was from the beginning. That's what it is at the end. As, as, as people who are in relationship with Christ right now, we are supposed to be a vision for humanity of what it looks like at the end. Right now. So that means right now, I don't have to take on the tactics of this world, even in the spirit realm. I can put on the tactics of the kingdom of God because they will always be applicable and they will always be successful because that is not, I don't, I, that's above my pay, pay grade to even figure out why they're successful. They just do. They just are. When I say Jesus, stuff changes. Period. That's it. Not when I say Jesus harshly. <laughs> Not when I say Jesus and spit comes out my mouth. When I say Jesus, when I whisper it, when I welcome his power and his presence into the room, stuff changes. Whether or not there's winning or losing isn't my concern. What my concern is, that's not where it's supposed to be. That's my role. That's my lane. When, when I say Jesus and it doesn't want to move, all right, Lord, I did what you told me to do. I was obedient to you. It's not being obedient to you because 
you've given us authority here, and you said that we can tell them that they're not supposed to be here. So I want you, to, I, Lord, I need you to take care of that. Lord, whatever angels you need to send to take care of that, we will anticipate your move. We can seek their freedom. We can pray. We can cast down strongholds, yes. But if that comes from us working up a sweat, it's mostly you. It's mostly you. And this is also a part of why we have such separation in the church. Because those of us who are not as emotional naturally, that doesn't make sense to us why you got to do all that. <laughs> and ultimately, we don't. We can, but we don't. We can just say, Jesus, stay in our lane, family. Stay in our lane. So, I want to pray. Father, I'm going to be honest, say that this flies in the face of much of what um, I've seen and what I know. Even over the last couple of weeks, how you've stretched me here. God, Forgive us. Forgive us for not leaning, uh, living in what it is that you have designed for us. For taking on worries and taking on roles that are not ours. God, we do not claim to fully understand all the things, but what you show us in your word as you have lived in and among humans and spirits, Jesus, as a compassionate authority that doesn't need to work up a sweat to make things move in the spirit. And so we too can live that way. Help us to trust you that much that we don't have to put on our own power to do so. Help us to trust you that much. For those of us who feel in the spirit or see in the spirit or hear in the spirit and things are off, give us the courage to speak your name and live in your truth. And for those of us who are on the journey of understanding and wrapping our hearts and heads around what's happening in the spirit realm. God, we pray that you would give us a confidence in who you are first. Not the stuff, but who you are. And Lord, may everything that you need for us come out of our intimate relationship with you. Give us your tactics as we use your tools. Ultimately, Lord, I'm just asking that we have more of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.